The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. What's going on, everybody? We are back with another episode. John, how you feeling today? I'm feeling all right, man. Oh, man, it's been a good week. I'm ready been. to go. We, we got a lot to get through this all week. All right, let's do it then. Let's go. And, and we got a guest today. We got whoa, a good whoa, guest whoa, today. Whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, that's major right there. It is major. Is the guest ready right now? Not a couple minutes. Okay, all right, no problem, no problem. We're going to get to him soon. Okay. Let him wait. But, because, I mean, there's stuff to talk about. There's definitely stuff to talk about. Lo and behold, here it is a couple weeks after the Super Bowl. We a couple got weeks NFL, after the Super Bowl. We got NFL news. The, the league year hasn't even officially started no, yet. No, no. So but, no deals can actually be official until the league year starts on March 13th. But that doesn't stop le- That doesn't stop news from, uh, and I'm using the air quotes, leaking out. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I like how you use the word leak loose, so yes, loosely. Yes, yes. It's leaking out. But, uh, but, but guess what? Apparently, yeah, Joe, Joe your, Flacco, your other team. Uh, my other team. Your yeah, other Joe team. Flacco's leaking out of town. Yeah. So apparently the Baltimore Ravens have decided that Joe Flacco is not the future. No. And I guess that means Lamar Jackson is. Okay. So They're telling him, hey man, thanks for that Super Bowl. Uh, we appreciate it. You know, you'll so, always be loved. So let, let me ask you this first. Let's let's start with Baltimore. Okay. Do you think this move was a good thing for Baltimore? Yes, because I think if they're committing to Lamar Jackson, and I'm not saying that the commitment to Lamar Jackson is the right move yet. However, if you're committing to him, you can't have the backup be the guy that had your job. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think I think if you're if you are moving forward with Lamar Jackson, that means you got to move forward all the way. Oh, that absolutely! You can't take, have a twenty million dollar backup. No, not at all, not at all, and especially a twenty million dollar backup who used to be the starter, who won who, a Super Bowl, with who him. won a Super Bowl, and who, if you ask him, probably still, still, still wants he can. to be the starter. Absolutely, he, and I think honestly. Because it's not necessarily about, you know, trying to hurt or trying to insult Joe Flacco. Mm-hmm. But it's like, hey, we're moving in a different direction. So let's give you an opportunity. We know you want to start. And that's not going to happen here. So let's give you an opportunity to start somewhere. Hey, here's John Elway and the Broncos. Have a nice life. <laughs> But for I mean, so for I mean for Baltimore in the end, all you, you know, it's you saw this coming when it became obvious that they wanted Lamar Jackson to be their guy. You knew that Joe Flacco wasn't going to be their guy. Let's see here. I get all that. I agree with every word you just said. Okay. But I I have a couple thoughts. Okay. One, Joe Flacco. I don't think on the field was the problem. However, Joe Flacco's contract was a problem for Baltimore. Joe Flacco's not a bad football player. No. But he's not 20-plus million a year good. 
And at that number, it becomes his contract becomes cumbersome, too cumbersome for the Ravens to be able to build a good enough team to succeed with Joe Flacco as the quarterback. You look at that Baltimore team that won the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. They had Torrey Smith. Torrey Smith in his prime Mm -hmm. as wide receiver. Anquan Bowling Mm -hmm. in his not in, not, not in his prime, but still. He was still serviceable. Yeah, clo- he close, was still very good, close a very good route to his runner. Prime, close enough to his prime years. Past his prime, but still not so far from his. Still productive. Yeah, still productive. Mm-hmm. Ray Rice in his prime. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, you, you still had that Ray Lewis-led defense. With Ed Reed still out there. Was Ed Reed still, Ed Reed was yeah, still Ed there. Reed, okay. T. Sizzle was there. And T. Sizzle in his prime. Mm-hmm. T. Sizzle, Ray was past his prime, but he was still dangerous. Mm-hmm. Ed Ed Reed was, was, he was still, was still productive. Done. He still was still productive. productive. Still productive. And T Sizzle in his prime. In his prime. Haloti Nala in his prime. Mm-hmm. You had you know, you you had horses on that team. So it was but the thing was, as right after that Super Bowl, Ray Lewis retires. Eventually they get rid of Ed Reed. T Sizzle's gotten old. Uh, th- Ray there's Rice. One thing I think you missed. Ray Rice went to be Ray Rice. You know, th- there's one thing I think you missed. Was right it? after that Super Bowl, Joe Flacco got a much, much bigger pay. I was, I was, I was actually, get, I was actually getting to that. Okay, but the thing was, you saw the talent and the nucleus, mm-hmm. you know, go out the door. And when it came time to build a new nucleus, they struggled with that. And one of the prime reasons they struggled with that was because they just op- they backed up the truck for their quarterback. Exactly. Which is a problem you hear us talk about with many a quarterback, you know, and when it becomes we've time. It, we've seen it with many teams. I This is something I harp on a lot. It's, it happens more often than not. Mm-hmm. You get this stud quarterback, yeah. and I am calling them studs. Okay. So <laughs> in, your, in your opinion, Joe Flacco was a stud. Joe Flacco was a quarterback who was calm, could produce under pressure, had a cannon arm, and he threw a very catchable ball. I'm not didn't saying he, throw, he was, didn't he go eleven uh, eleven touchdowns, zero interceptions on that Super Bowl? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So I, I, I say this, and he has and he, at this point he has seven road playoff wins in his career. the The kid was able, he can get it done. Yeah. So we're not talking about someone like. Sam Bradford no. or Mark Sanchez. No. We're not talking about those no, guys. We're no, talking oh, about oh, a no, guy not, who not at all. Not even has close. proven that he's can get it can get it done with a quality cast around him. It's it's funny, and if you if you allow me to go on a quick tangent, oh, feel free. You know, uh, we're in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. so we talk about we you and I talk a lot about the Philadelphia Eagles, mm-hmm. and a lot of things fans who are outside of Philadelphia, outside of the fan base looking in, they'll get on me about the whole uh they'll get they'll get on me about this whole uh Foles versus Winston. And they say, hey man, Foles is winning. Foles is getting the job done. Wentz ain't getting the job done. That should make it easy. But they disregard all the factors that go into why Foles was getting it done, why Wentz was struggling. And rightfully so because they're not in that fan base. But the thing about it was 
you know, when it was Baltimore people trying to come at me in that conversation, I would always say, hey, well, what are you talking about? Joe Flacco won you guys a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Now you're ready to push him out the door. And then people will try and tell me why that's apples and oranges. But they, but the, th- the thing that what gets me is when it comes to Baltimore, and a lot of Baltimore fans, when it comes to that second, well, it's not even a second Super Bowl run. It's both their Super Bowl runs. Mm-hmm. They want to give all the credit to the defense and kind of make Joe Flacco into a, who was just a game manager. Well, the first Super Bowl run, the Trent Dilfer Super Bowl run. Yes. Trent Dilfer was absolutely a game manager. Yeah, oh, okay. No, no, no that the I. The Joe Flacco Super Bowl mm-hmm. run. He he threw eleven touchdown passes. Eleven touchdown. How many? How many interceptions? Zero. Say that one more time. But let's see. No, no, no. Eleven touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. Zero interceptions. That's not game manager but to me. That, the thing is, we're looking at what they were. Were they a t- number one seed that year? Did they have a bye? Mm, can't remember if they had a bye. I don't know what they were. I don't think they were the number one seed. I don't think they were the number one seed in either of their. Okay, Super but I'm trying to remember if they had a bye. But if they did have a bye, that's three games. If they don't have a bye, it's four games, Matt. But you're looking at a around three plus touchdowns per game with zero interceptions during that run. That's not, not a, a game, game manager. You're, I'm not going to argue with you, and but I think that. But once again, I'm just talking about perception. Mm-hmm. Where I th- I think people feel like, especially when they see how Baltimore has played since that Super Bowl. But that roster has been decimated since that Super Bowl. I understand Bowl. that. I understand that. But once again, this is a this is a results driven business. Mm-hmm. They see the offense not performing like it used to. What are they going to do? They're going to blame the quarterback. I'm not saying it's right. But that, I'm not saying they're right. But that's what they're going to do. You're but that's right. What they're, that that's is, what that's that what is they're what the narrative do. always is. So it's like people in Baltimore, they're ready to push Joe Flacco out the door because they just feel like, hey, man, this offense wasn't, you know, this offense wasn't wasn't clicking like it was before. Mm-hmm. And that must be the quarterback's fault. But none, but the thing is, now that they've gotten rid of Joe Flacco, more importantly, gotten rid of Joe Flacco's monster quarterback, uh, monster, monster contract. contract mm-hmm. Now they have the money. Now they have a little bit more money to spend a little bit more. But what kind of scares me, and what I I want to see what this how this front office, you know, treats this off season. Because one thing that's also different now, Ozzie Newsom's gone. Mm, that is a huge difference. That's, that's huge. I was about to bring that up myself because Ozzie Ozzie Newsom was a GM that you always knew had a plan yes. and knew how to execute his plan yes. and that you knew he also understood winning football. Yes. Now with a new front office in place mm-hmm. you have to essentially I don't want to say start over but you do have to reestablish your identity mm-hmm. because everybody's going to be a little different. He's going to see things a little different. He's not He's not Ozzy. No. no, you can't expect him to be Ozzy but you have to wait and see, is he actually going to make the right moves, the proper moves to improve that football team? I believe it was Ozzy's first draft in Baltimore. Ray Lewis and Jonathan Ogden. Mm-hmm. Set the tone. You know, set the tone. Three, Ozzy's been there, what, 20, uh, over 20 years. 
as the general manager. Right. At least three drafted Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. At least three. Drafted three Hall of – drafted them, meaning he picked them, brought them into the league. Mm-hmm. So, I mean – Whoever's going, whoever's taking over has got big shoes to fill. Ah, absolutely. Big now, shoes to fill. Now, let's look at this deal from the other side, from Denver's point of view. Now, I've, I've seen some interesting responses to this deal from Denver's perspective. I've seen a lot of people who want to be quick to point out that John Elway's track record is, with quarterbacks as a GM has not been stellar. And a lot of people are quick to say Joe Flacco's no good and this is just another bad quarterback move by John Elway. I don't necessarily feel that way. Okay. I think with – you see, the thing about a trade, the guaranteed money on his contract stayed with Baltimore. So Baltimore is going to take about an $8 million hit in dead money. But does a – Denver, on the other side, they get a contract with no guarantees on it, two years' worth of service for this quarterback, so they have time to evaluate him, see if it works for them, no guarantees, so they can get rid of him whenever they want. And an 18 this year, 19 next year cap number, it's it's high, but it's not as – exorbitant as many of the contracts you're seeing for quarterbacks now as opposed to what Baltimore would have been looking at without the numbers Denver's paying plus the guaranteed money and Denver is in a situation where they have a good defense Denver traditionally has a very good or to at least competent it's a very good running game and I think for Denver, this is, especially in a year where the crop of quarterbacks coming out isn't necessarily the deepest, this is a good move for Denver, in my opinion. It's It starts off as like a stopgap move mm-hmm. that could potentially, at the worst, it's a stopgap. Yeah. At the best, you have your quarterback of the present. Mm-hmm. You know, because Flacco ain't he's not the future. Yeah, he's, he's not the future, but he's, he's somebody. He's who, a fully developed, why you, ready to go win now why, type of guy. Why you have this defense? Mm-hmm. Why you have this core defense? This is a quarterback who could potentially keep you competitive. Exactly. While you're, you know, while you're riding out this defense, you're not sitting here trying to train a rookie, which it's, is. Pretty much what they've been trying to do for the last couple of years since and, Peyton Manning. That's pretty much well, been the it's not uh, the approach I mean, since Peyton Manning. But the thing about it is, they really haven't had that great of quarterback play, standout quarterback play since Elway retired. This whole roller coaster of a, I mean, they've had quarterbacks stick around for a little bit. Jake mm-hmm. Plummer, Kyle Orton. You you got a couple years out of Manning, Manning. From the neck up, he was still Peyton Manning, which is why you were able to win with him. But from the neck down, he was definitely a diminished player in his Broncos years. Here, let me tell. Let, let, let's let's run down this quick list here. Let's let's run down this quick list of Denver quarterbacks. All right. Mm-hmm. Last year, Case Keenum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two thousand seventeen, Trevor Simon. 
Trevor Simeon. Simeon, Simon, whatever. <laughs> Brock Osweiler, Paxton Lynch. Mm-hmm. 16. Simeon, Paxton Lynch. Oh, excuse me. No, 16. Simeon and Paxton Lynch. Yeah. 15. Peyton Manning, Brock Osweiler. Then you have Peyton Manning for three full seasons. Tim Tebow, Kyle Orton. Tim Tebow, Kyle Orton. Kyle Orton, Chris, Chris Sims. Sims. <laughs> Two Jay and a half Cutler. seasons of Jay Cutler. Three seasons of uh, Jake Plummer. Jake Plummer split with Steve Berline. This is 2003. Mm-hmm. Steve Berline, Danny Cannell, and Jarius Jackson. Brian Greasy, Steve Berline. Brian G- Greasy and Gus Farratt. Brian Greasy and Chris Miller, and then who's Chris Miller? Like I don't even remember him. Like the rest of the names, I all at least knew who they. I know who they were. Wasn't Chris Miller? Oh goodness! I I, I genuinely don't remember Chris Miller. Oh boy! I gotta ho- open up a whole new window to figure out who Chris Miller is. Chris <laughs> Chris Miller is a former. This this is straight off Wikipedia. Former professional American football quarterback. Selected by the Falcons in the first round of the 1987 draft. He was a first-round pick? Okay. My apologies to Chris Miller. I, sh- yep. I should have known who you are. First-round pick. Wasn't he the guy that was – didn't he hold the seat for uh, Steve McNair in uh, – In Tennessee? In Tennessee. Well, then Houston it, at that at that point. The Oilers, yeah. I think was you were right. Was, it, was that Chris Miller or is that Chris Chandler? That might have been Chris Chandler. Uh Oh, well. Chris Miller, you got talked about more today than you you probably have in a a few years. There you go. But Chris Miller and Brian Greasy were the starting quarterbacks in 1999, and that was the year after John Elway retired. John Elway started 12 great games his last season with Bubby Brister starting four. Okay. So you've got a diminished Peyton Manning after that. Joe Flacco's probably the best quarterback on that list since Elway. Okay. Joe, I will stop you when you're wrong. So, from my perspective, Mm -hmm. I honestly don't think it's a bad move for Denver. No, I mean, in the end, well, I guess what what will decide whether it's a bad move, if you want to say that? Do you win games? That's what's going to decide. Do you win games, or what did you give up? Because mid-round picks. Mid-round picks, that's not – and then, of course, you don't know exactly what picks yet because they can't announce the details. Mm-hmm. But from what I'm hearing, it's mid-round picks, Probably somewhere fourth, third to three third, to five yeah. range, somewhere in there. And that's not the worst thing you could do to your team is a fourth-round pick for a starting quarterback. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. So, but I, I guess to me that would be if – you're, if you're going to grade this deal – that would be the fact. That would be one of the biggest factors. But the qu- the real question is, what do you consider success? If you're saying it's win the division or nothing, then you have to stop and think. I'm in a division with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, yeah. Philip Rivers and the San Diego, excuse me, the Los Angeles Chargers, mm-hmm. and the Oakland and, and the Oakland Vegas, Raiders, wherever they're playing next year. So San Francisco Raiders. As much as I think. Philip Rivers seems to fall short for whatever reason in the playoffs. 
He, he's a great regular season quarterback. Yeah, he's the what, what have I told? He's the greatest regular season quarterback of all time. And that's and, not true. Just, I mean, Peyton Manning is the greatest regular season quarterback of all time. All right, touche, touche, touche. All right, he's the greatest active regular season quarterback of all time. Oh, absolutely. I'll and give the great and, and the great and the greatest active fantasy football quarterback of all time. Yes. No, no argument on either. All right. He'll get you to the playoffs. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. If now, you play fantasy football, you have uh, Philip Rivers on your team. You gonna you gonna compete for a chip. So you throw Joe Flacco onto a Broncos team in that division, you're looking at a dogfight. Yep. So if you're saying it's win the division or nothing, then you may be set for some disappointment this year. Who knows? It's it's not gonna it's not a lot that Joe Flacco makes you a favorite in that division. You're, no, you're absolutely oh, no, no, not the favorite no, in that division. No, Kansas there's, there's, City is coming yeah. into next year as the favorite. Kansas City's Kansas City stands a chance to do to do to that AFC West what the uh Patriots have been doing to their division for this whole century. Absolutely. They the- cuz right now I mean you're I mean you're looking at what the tail end of the Philip Rivers era. Yeah. 2 3 seasons more. What Gruden does does with the Raiders remains to be seen. seen. Yeah, exactly. I think the Ra- the Raiders could either be prime for an epic comeback, or they're just going to be the new Cleveland Browns. There's no gray area. I don't see the Raiders being okay. I don't see the Raven the Raiders being all right. They're either going to come back and you're and we're going to be looking at John Gruden like wait. Hey man, we thought you were crazy. Well, the Raiders are loaded with draft capital. Yeah, That's the exactly. one thing they have a lot of. Exactly. So, so how a good yeah. offseason, some good free agent acquisitions, and a few good draft picks, yeah. they could be right back in business. Yes. Derek Carr is not a bad quarterback. Not at all. Not at all. So So we'll see. We will. We we will see, but right now, I mean, it's it's still up in the air. It they ain't here, the they air. ain't there yet. They ain't there yet. But as you know, I mean, I think the Broncos might be the biggest question mark. Would you say the Broncos are the biggest question mark in that division? Absolutely. Like as going into the 2019, 20, 2019 season, 2019, 2020, mm-hmm. in my opinion, the Broncos are the biggest co- by far the biggest question mark in the AFC West and possibly in the AFC. Mm-hmm. So for those of you, I don't, I don't like hearing people say it has. It's an automatic failure, and I don't want to hear people say that it's twelve wins and win the division or bust. Okay. That should not be. I think, well, here honestly, I feel like given this team in this situation, they should be we, hoping for a playoff appearance. They should be hoping opinion. for a playoff appearance, but it's like. February is too early to be putting any type of parameters or expectations on a team like the Broncos. I feel like there are teams that you could look at and say oh, that you could put expectations on. They might be loose. Things change. We all know that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think Patriots are a team you can say, hey, man, you know, they need to win. You know, we should expect them to win the division and at least compete. 
be one of the last four teams okay. in the NFL. Last question for you, then we're going to take a break. Okay. So here's my question. All right. John Elway. Yes. We started off the Broncos section of this discussion with the question of, well, raising the question of his track record with quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Now, you know Elway has a lot of good uh, – what's the term? He has a lot of capital built up in the city of Denver. He's, yes. He's got, he's got a fairly long leash. Oh, yeah. My question is, how long is that leash before people start saying we might need a new GM or new executive to run the team? Mm. If you if you bring in Flacco know. and end up with three or four wins, is Elway vulnerable? We might have to find somebody from Denver to come on the show and talk about that. That's a good question because I what I've learned in the years of doing podcasts and shows like this Mm -hmm. because a lot of times when you do shows like this for insight I go to the fan sites I go to the fan websites and those are always a good resource for how the fans think what the fan base is thinking Mm -hmm. and you know to briefly state the obvious the way fans think Outside of the I-95 corridor, <laughs> it's, it's, different. It's, it's different. It's very different. Whereas, you know, you have a guy who. Okay, so wants, if he, if well, he was saying, the Eagles GM. If he, I think if think he was the Eagles GM. Yes, if he was the Eagles GM, we, he'd be in trouble. If he was the Eagles GM, if he was the Ravens GM, if he was the Redskins GM, if he was the, the Giants, Giants GM, GM maybe not trouble. the Jets, but uh Patriots, mm-hmm. you know, any of those teams, Pit, you know, if you want to go off I-95, Pittsburgh, maybe Chicago, you know, no, if, Chicago's so if too they far. they have an executive with eight years of mediocre success. Eight years of mediocre can't success. Can't find a quarterback. But that, but, that, but that executive brought you one, two Super Bowls as a player, played in what, four Super Bowls total. Mm-hmm. One, two. As an executive, got you to two more Super Bowls, one one. Mm-hmm. You know that. I think that I think in a city like that, but he also that, has not shown a propensity to evaluate new talent either. No, no. Pey- bringing in Peyton Manning is a no brainer. Yeah, I mean, look once again. I'm not saying it's right, but what I'm saying is Denver ain't like Philly. Mm-hmm. So. Whereas Philly would pop, Philly, New York, right. DC, so let me put Boston it to you this might way. be tired of him. I'm not sure. I'm not right. sure that Denver. So let me put is. it to you this way: Forget the fans. Okay. You own the Denver Nug, the Denver Broncos. Oh, John Elway gets the side eye right now. John Elway's on the hot seat. Does he get next year? Two years? Or okay, what would? How bad would it have to be next year for him to go? Joe Flacco has to be a train wreck next year for John Elway to be fucked. Okay. John, so if I mean, Joe Flacco is so a complete Joe, fl- flop in Denver. If he's then, a complete then, dumpster fire. If he's a dumpster team fire. Team wins three, four games. He has 25 everybody tar- goes. interceptions. Every, it's time for everyone time to go. For, okay. It's time for everyone to go. But if Joe, I, I think, honestly, if Joe Flacco is middle of the road at best, John Elway buys time. Okay. Well, 
if that's the case, we're going to buy some time. <laughs> and we're going to go for a second. All right. No problem. Take a quick break, and we'll be right back. More ODD after this. When you need to be caught up on all that's going on in the sports world, tune into the Best in the World Sports Report with all-knowing John Brown each and every Saturday morning starting at 8 a.m. here on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com. Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. Okay, everybody, we are back. We talked a little football, the little football news there is to go at this point. We're had in February. Got to talk about it. Got to scratch the itch. Mm-hmm. You know, of course. But now. It's basketball time. Yes, sir. My face lights up when we get to start talking ball. This is good because I wanted to jump in. Can I jump into what Please, I Please, because I was about to say you asked me a question during the break mm-hmm. that I want to get straight into. Okay. Here's the thing. Uh, one of your one of your arch nemesis, mm-hmm. uh, someone who draws your ire, <laughs> mm-hmm. is uh, Mr. Two Years Straight. Averaging triple doubles, Mr. Russell Westbrook. Absolutely, about to pro- could quite possibly average a triple double for a third straight season. Mm-hmm. But in the past, I'm pretty sure what in the last two years of his triple double averaging seasons, I wasn't super impressed, and I said with style of play that he was playing, you couldn't win, and they didn't, and they didn't. That's two first round exits. Wasn't mm-hmm. it? Two first-round exits. And I predicted them both every time. Like, yeah, they're going to lose in the first round. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're playing better ball. They're playing much better ball. Paul George is the best player on that team, and they finally learned to play through him. Mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook has finally learned how to play point guard. Now, you know, see, Real quick, you you should see this man's face right now. This man's lighting up because he's about to get into some X's and O's. He's about to. This man is in his wheelhouse. I'm just gonna step aside, let you break this down. So, so for a long time, there's a group of point guards that I'm not a fan, not of their talent, not of their skill set, but of their understanding of how to play point guard and win in a five on five game. If you're playing three on three half court, make it, take it. Give me Kyrie Irving. You know, we're going one-on-one tournament. Sure, give me John Wall. You know? Mm-hmm. We're playing 21, Rough House. Ah, oh, man, give me Russ. Mm-hmm. When, he'll win every, But five-on-five five is a different animal. You have – there's a rhythm to it, the flow to it. You've got lots of other personalities and egos and skill sets. People's games, you have to try to get to work together cohesively and that doesn't work when 
the guy wants to come down, dribble for 15 seconds, and then take the shot himself mm-hmm. and only passes off when he's in trap and, ha- and stuck and has to give it up. That that doesn't work. You, now you, you mean like James Harden? Yes. Okay. Yes. We're, and we're going to get to him. I'm too. sure we will. We are going to get to him I'm today. I'm sure we too. will. So, but what I always said, Kyrie, I don't think he has point guard instincts. John Wall, I say this for any John Calipari point guard. They don't understand how to play point guard. I don't know what he's coaching at Kentucky. But his big men come in knowing how to play. His wings come out come out into the league knowing how to play. His his two guards come to the league knowing how to play. His point guards don't want to do nothing but attack. So John Wall is what exactly what I expected. Russell Westbrook. If you go back and listen to what I've always said about him, his style of play did not work. But I've also said I actually saw improvement from him every year Mm. the problem with Russell was that he didn't grow up playing point guard he through his UCLA years was a two guard the early years of OKC where they had Harden Durant there with him Mm -hmm. down the stretches of games Harden Harden was running the Mm -hmm. point Harden was running the offense the offense was going through him so there was a learning curve there for Russell Westbrook on how to actually run an offense and be a point guard. And that is a tall task for a guy who grows up saying, my only friend on the court is Spalding. You know, he's not used to working well with others on the court. So what we are seeing from Russell Westbrook now is a maturity and a level of experience and understanding that he simply didn't have enough time playing the position to have acquired prior to now. Now, the next step in his development that remains to to really get him to that level of this guy's the best point guard in the league is he still seems to struggle to find his own offensive rhythm when he's not looking to take every shot. Mm. That's, that is in itself a balance that you'll even hear guys like Kyrie Irving admit it. Yeah, I struggle because I think I can do anything I want on the court with the ball. I struggle knowing when to get other guys. Like, Kyrie's on record saying that in an interview. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's very true. But you're seeing Russell understanding, I got this weapon on the – and he and Paul George are actually friends, both Southern California guys that get along very well, whereas personality-wise, Durant and Westbrook were pretty much opposite extremes. Mm -hmm. These two guys, I think, are genuinely friends, which lends toward Westbrook being a little more willing to defer a little more willing to let someone else have the shine and be that first scoring option. Mm-hmm. So from that standpoint, when you asked me this question, you saw my face light up. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily just that I get to get in the X and O's, but I truly am appreciating seeing a basketball player 
actually work and make that next step, mm. that next transition in so his in, game. In your opinion, Russell Westbrook is growing. He's absolutely growing, and I love. It's fun to watch. Could you now? Still has work to do as a point guard. Has, still but he's has growing. work to do, and I'm not sold yet on Denver being the, the two seed or the second best team in the in the West. Well, see, those are two different things. They might be the two seed, but they're not. The they're not the second best team in the West. Okay, I'm not sold on either. I'm not sold on either. So you're expecting them to fall back? Yeah, I, I am. Com- completely. My question to you is, as of right now, because we're, we're as we are speaking right now, we're at the All Star break, the unofficial halfway se- point of the season. Now that now that the NBA has uh, started the season when they started, mm-hmm. you know, teams are well past their halfway point. Yeah, but. You know, I think most teams have less than 30 games left. Yeah, most teams are somewhere around that 50-game mark, at least somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Who would you say top four teams, not standing-wise, but just top four teams in the West? It's top four teams. You know what? In fact, you know, look, we, we know what Golden right. State is. We know two, who number one is. Two, three, and four. Who are two, three, and four in the West? Two, three, and four in the West right now, in my opinion, mm-hmm. which is – the West is interesting this year, mm-hmm. but I would go with, in no particular order, Portland, Houston, and and OKC. Okay, in no order. In no particular order. Portland, Houston, and OKC, okay. The Spurs still have a shot to creep up into that group, mm-hmm. but at this point, that's ignoring the standings and records. That's me simply talking about who I expect to see true mo- movement from in the playoffs. What Those are the four teams I expect to get to the second round of the Western Conference playoffs. OKC playing the way they're playing. Mm-hmm. I they, don't see a first-round sweep okay. for OKC this year. What? what? Are you going to be disappointed by that because you hate Russell Westbrook? No. <laughs> I don't hate Russell Westbrook. I, I, know, you, I know you don't hate him. Which is that, what I've that. always said. I just didn't think he was understand. understood how to play point guard. I don't, think you hate, I don't think you hate anybody other than people on the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not a big Kyrie fan. But you don't hate him. I don't hate him. If he, now, if he went to play for the Cowboys, I'd hate him. No, I understand it. Yeah, I, I'd hate him too. I'm, I, there, I will say this. There's not a lot to like about Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. I have a lot, as far as sports goes, I have a lot more hate in my heart than you. You mm-hmm. hate the Dallas Cowboys, and that's fair enough because I hate the Dallas Cowboys. I hate a lot of teams. I hate a lot of players. I hate the Boston Celtics. Well, yeah, they're hateable. Mm-hmm. I hate the Boston Celtics. I hate the Duke Blue Devils. Kyrie Irving is a Duke Blue Devil. He is a Blue Devil. Who plays for Boston. <laughs> There's not a lot to like. Once he once he got traded to Boston, there was absolutely no more reason to like Kyrie Irving. I don't care about his movie. I don't care about his commercials. I don't care you know, what Mia Culpa he has with the... Uh, with LeBron, not a lot to like about Kyrie. 
that's just you know that's just me being a, you know a sport a Philly sports fan. Mm-hmm. Not, I, I mean, get it. It is what it is. So it's so as far as OKC goes, yeah, okay. I absolutely am seeing growth mm-hmm. from Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. But that being said, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter because nobody's beating Golden State in the West. This year. Oh well, yeah, true, true, true. But we are we were able to get a pretty long segment out of that though. <laughs> I mean, it makes for good fodder. It makes for good podcast talk. It makes you know it is what it is. But yeah, no, I mean we all know that. So, I mean that's pretty much the West is the West. Mm. But a whole lot happened in the East. Oh yeah, a whole lot happened in the East. Team the teams at the top loaded up at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. And I guess that means we have a whole lot to talk about with our guest that's coming up next. Okay. Who we got? You, you want, I should let them know who we got coming up next? Go ahead. All right. Our next guest is a talented NBA writer. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into all when we get, get into all of his many different ventures in a minute. But we're going to talk to basketball writer. Anthony Gilbert. Okay. Anthony Gilbert's coming on to talk with us. Okay, let's do this. So, you ready? Sure. All right, so we'll just go ahead and get into it. Next thing you're going to hear is us talking to Anthony. When you need to be caught up on all that's going on in the sports world, tune into the Best in the World Sports Report with all-knowing John Brown each and every Saturday morning starting at 8 a.m. here on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com. They'll challenge your authority, because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory, and in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch until you hear that click. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. Okay, everybody, I told you we had a guest coming on today, and this is one of my favorite guests that we've had on this show so far because... Anthony and I always have a good time talking basketball. You have a better time talking with Anthony than me. Basketball, yes. Wow. It's not personal, John. <laughs> it feels kind of personal. <laughs> but, nah, this talented writer, NBA.com, Hoops Magazine, I'm sure I'm forgetting more, but we'll give Anthony a chance to tell you all about all of it in a little bit. But for now, we're going to get straight into it. Let's start with the Sixers. We're, yes. we're, we're all f- have some sort of Philly affi- area affiliation, so let's start close to home. The 76ers yeah. made a few moves. Well, of course, we all know about the Jimmy Butler deal earlier in the year, and it seems to have been working fairly successfully so far. N- then at the deadline, they go out and get Tobias Harris. What was your first reaction when you heard that deal? My first reaction was, I've always been a fan of Tobias Harris. I thought that 
when he went from Orlando to Detroit, mm-hmm. I felt that like he really had an opportunity to bloom and blossom out there in Detroit. And then it all came together in LA. So I, I like the piece. He's a front court guy, but he can dribble past his shoot and he has range. So I immediately thought to myself, this is a good move, but what about Jimmy Butler? What do you mean when you say, what about Jimmy Butler? Well, kind of got, or in some elements you have the same player. Um, he's not as silky smooth as Jimmy. Jimmy mm-hmm. is more of a, a two to three position player. And Tobias Harris is more of a three, four position player. Um, but they both can fill up the basket and they can both dominate the basketball. So I was just a little concerned. Like, hmm, as long as the team is winning, I don't think there'll be any issues. But God forbid they have an early playoff exit. Um, I don't know how that goes over with Jimmy Butler. And taking Jimmy Butler's opinion out of the equation, I just, I'm not sure how he fits on this team long term. Now, do you mean that from a basketball standpoint or a financial standpoint? Uh, from a basketball standpoint, um, I, I, I have to say this, and I'm pretty sure you guys have noticed it, but. Since the acquisition of Harris and Boban, you know, and, and then you got the, you know, other guys that they picked up uh, from Houston and Orlando, it's like, does Jimmy fit like he used to? No. Does he fit? Yes. Um, is he willing to take a, a back seat? I Brett Brown has to be able to coach. Um, if, if ever Brett Brown needed to be able to coach, it's now. And part of that is going to be managing egos and, and rotation. Okay. Now, it's interesting that you bring up Brett Brown because as I'm listening to you talk, the first thing that pops in my head is that this may be an opportunity for Brett Brown to shine because – he essentially likes a ball movement type of system, which mm-hmm. creates opportunities for multiple players to score. So, right. but at, you also need those multiple players to be unselfish. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that Jimmy Butler is selfish, um, but he is an OG and kind of like a a wide receiver, he's going to need his touches, man, you know? Uh, absolutely. Now, next question is more so about a move the Sixers did not make and what may potentially still be available on the buyout market. Watching the Boston game the other night, there is one, I don't, I don't want to call it a hole, but shortcoming with the Sixers. that. I think, I, think, I think we go with Hole. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go with Hole that the Sixers have, and that is a guard who really has the ability to defend quicker point guards. 
they you often see him trying to hide JJ Reddick because he's not a defensive player. Ben Simmons does not do well defending small, quick guards, and Jimmy Butler can't guard everybody. So right, and and just really quickly, Ben Simmons has been getting dumped on this week. But go ahead, I'm listening. <laughs> so. Is there are there any, any names? I, I didn't see any of Ben Simmons getting dunked on this week. <laughs> oh, either. back to back that, night. That didn't happen. No, no it didn't. <laughs> ben Simmons did not get dunked on. But why? <laughs> are there any names you're hearing that may be available on the buyout market that could kind of fit that mold as a defensive guard, someone who could come in and fit that role? I I haven't heard anything concrete. You know, I'm I'm hearing. Jamal Crawford, which I don't think that's... That's bench scoring, which you all could use. Right, but I don't think that's a, a true rumor. Um, I spent a lot of time with Phoenix when they were on the East Coast, mm-hmm. and everybody up and down that team, and even the people that cover that team, they say that his veteran leadership, you know, the, the young guys have really gravitated towards them towards him and I don't see management letting him go and he seems to be happy you know even though Phoenix isn't winning uh he's the type of guard that likes a challenge which is why he didn't sign with Golden State two years ago Mm -hmm. and they wind up signing Nick Young instead um but yeah I haven't haven't heard anything concrete and you know we know it's going to happen there's definitely going to be some buyouts. And Elton Brand has gone on record several times saying they're all in. You know, I, I, I like all in. I also know that. I'm a fan like, of all in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, and John, maybe you could take this one. I I feel like all in takes at least a year in the NBA. And I guess that's what, that kind of, that's what scares me. Mm-hmm. Because you're talking all in. And you're saying all in requires two years. Mm-hmm. You got two major cogs who are free agents at the end of this season, in Harris and Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. What the, I mean, that then raises the question: Is this is this really all in? Can you be I mean, all in yeah, with two I mean, with two potential free agents? Yeah, I that that's the it's the ele- elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. I think they definitely re-signed Harris. Um, he seems to be very comfortable, and he fits really well on both ends of the court. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, Jimmy's the wild card. Um, Jimmy's, they, they the, Jimmy's the wild card. But but let me ask, let me ask you this because I know you, you have more insight to the locker room than either of us do. I feel like I feel like Brett likes what Jimmy brings. If you want to call him a wild card, I think I okay. I think that's that's what Brett likes about Jimmy, because mm-hmm. Jimmy, because you know Brett's a teacher. Yeah. You know he he's a developer. Mm-hmm. That's that's what you brought him in for. Jimmy's the first person to bring in. They brought in with with like veter, a true veteran, a veteran that can that can that actually has talent. To actually play has as talent well. and can get it done. Right. So. You know, somebody who's good enough that if you're saying something that might not jibe, might not really be, might 
not necessarily be popular, whatever, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Jimmy's the type of player to say, hey, you know what? I don't know about that. Hey, maybe we should try this. Right, and that has been working. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, instead of just saying, yes, okay, coach, mm-hmm. Jimmy doesn't give pushback, but he gives solid opinion. Like, hey, you know, we ran this two times. Let's let's go this way. You know, or hey, the short corner, the short corner is wide open. Why don't we just, you know, skip past it or or rotate it? You know, so yeah, I I like I like that aspect, and I don't think he's a malcontent or a bad guy like they try mm. to make him out to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, yeah, I I, I, yeah. I see I see that too because I feel like like in this day and age where you know it's like narrative over everything. Mm-hmm. Where you we people want so desperately to paint Jimmy as this malcontent, mm-hmm. and it's like right. it's a you know it's a dog that won't hunt. You know, it's like when you yeah. hear the quotes, when you hear player quotes, when you hear coaches quote talking about Jimmy, it's like all right, every, you know, you like what you hear. You know, well, it's like it's like how you you know I watch a lot of ESPN, and I know you guys probably do too. Mm-hmm. And you're right. There's narratives. There's certain players that invoke the same narrative, and no one goes on there and tries to change it. They all just kind of outdo themselves saying the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to get Mike started, but <laughs> it's it's too late. It, 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 know, it's, always, it's too late. It, it's too late. The cat's out the bag. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> there there is no. I don't want to get Mike started. Mike Mike started when as soon as we press record. Uh, I wake up in the morning ready to go. He woke up starting. <laughs> well, dig it. Like you know how you will watch TV and they're talking about the NBA, and they just so happen to let it slip out that like LeBron James is the greatest player in the league. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, it's totally off topic. You're like, well, wait a minute. We wasn't even. Like, we weren't talking we weren't about even, the Lakers. We weren't talking about LeBron. Yeah, we weren't even going that direction. So I, I understand because. And, and like the Lakers were in Philly last week, and and, and they're struggling. They they definitely mm-hmm. have limped to the halfway mark. Um, not neither here nor there. But LeBron's not the best player. I don't even think he's going to make All NBA this year, like first team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go Harden. Uh, I'm going to go Curry. I'm going to go Paul George. I'm going to go Greek Freak. Does Durant make that group? Yeah, and then KD. And that's very possible as you list the names, especially when you consider the season that Giannis is having. Yeah, and and Paul George. Paul George, George. OKC. We we mentioned him earlier. Just before you got on, we were having a conversation Mm -hmm. about them. It's beautiful, isn't it? He's He is. And John brought it up because he knows how I feel about shoot first point guards. And we were commenting. I wasn't even even talking about shoot first point guard. I was talking about your (laughs) natural hatred for three players in the league. Uh Three three players in the league, one player who's uh, currently not. John Wall and Kyrie Irving. He, let's, let's go ahead and talk about who we're talking about. Well, first of all, I was talking. I was talking more Harden than than John Wall. Oh, okay. I was talking Harden. I was talking Westbrook. All right, so it's and, four of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
But I was all, all you hate Mellow too, but Mellow's home. Mellow's right? not even yeah. playing anymore. Yeah, Mellow's home listening to us. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, I just uh we just got finished talking about what OKC has been doing this year and how PG uh PG thirteen and and uh Russ have been playing as well. Uh, how they've been playing and has that affected how Mike views Russell Westbrook, who he loathes. And and I had to co- and what I was saying to John mm-hmm. was actually that of of the group of players we just named, Russell Westbrook was the one I thought had the potential to actually figure out how to properly play point guard. He was the one coming from a situation where he had just never played point guard prior to being in the NBA. So it's well, really he, a change of instinct, and we are seeing that evolution from him now. Yeah, well, part of it is, you know, out of necessity. I mean, he's been shooting terribly this season. And, you know, he's been doing other things to make people around him better, mm-hmm. like Terrence Ferguson and Paul George. And they're putting it together, you know. Um, he, he's shooting it at under 30%. It, it, might, it might be 30 or 31%. Yeah. From the field. His and shooting even, numbers are atrocious this year, but yeah, he, he's doing and, everything else. Yeah, his free throws are down too. And when I when I covered the Thunder uh, this year, I wanted to ask him specifically about it, but I wanted to equate it to the fact that he has twin newborns. Mm. Because it's one thing to struggle before the babies are here because you're concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's on your mind. You think about it. He's probably getting calls from his wife and what have you. But then for the babies to actually be here, it's a whole different ball game. You know, and I didn't get a chance to specifically ask him if there was a correlation, but I did ask him about his family and what that means in a bigger picture. And you know, he gave me a really great answer about how you know basketball is his job and. His family first. Okay. Um, but I really think there's something there. But Russell Westbrook doesn't do one-on-one interviews, so I couldn't really. You get couldn't can't get into too much with it. Right, and then he also kind of like was really upset at Joel and B. So <laughs> I had to let it go. Oh, now I, one more question about OKC before we move on. Something right. I'm noticing: How much do you think the friendship? between Russell Westbrook and Paul George is actually playing into that as well. Whereas Durant and Westbrook, for better or worse, were completely opposite personality types. Westbrook and Paul George, both Southern California guys, and they seem to get along very well as friends. And with Westbrook being a guy who's notably said Spalding is his only friend on the court, do you think that the personalities is like actually having a friend out there is a factor in that as well. Well, I will say that Westbrook and, and KD had a, a better relationship than they do now. Um, it definitely it has been fractured, but like they're better and, and, and we'll see during the all-star weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but what to, to your point, um, 
Westbrook and George, like it's everything. Like it's it's better than he's ever had, and it's evident. Like him and and um, Stephen Adams have a great relationship, and him and Ennis Cantor have a great relationship. But like you said, it's nothing like like your homeboy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and they they get along so well, and they vibe. And I mean, if you remember on you know June thirtieth. You know, he threw this big party, and Paul George was there, and then, like, Russell Westbrook, like, brought Paul George out on stage, and that's when Paul George was like, hey, I got announcement to make, like, you know, now it's July 1st, it's midnight, I'm staying, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, it, it, the camaraderie's there, it, it, it's evident, for sure, and, and, and it plays out beautifully, you know, in their on-court relationship. Do you think that's just time? You know, it's like now that he's older and he's finding that he can he can he has a player that he can relate to. And I understand that I guess his his relationship with KD was what it was. And it's not what it was, you know, now that KD is gone. But now he's he's try he tried to lead a team by himself. Didn't really get him far. He's now you know, he, last year was last year. George was uh, George was struggling. Mello was mellow, and he had to do it all. But now he, you know, he's he's grown. He's gotten somebody. You know, he he know he has he has somebody who's playing at a high level. Yeah, and I, things are different. Yeah, I, I think they've had. Opportunity to streamline what they had from a season ago, you know, addition by subtraction with Carmelo Anthony, mm-hmm. and then um, with with Russ struggling, he's been able to find that that different gear and say, you know what, hey, I'm having a terrible year shooting percentage from the field and from the free throw line, but you know, he, he goes at 2,000 miles an hour regardless mm-hmm. of how he's playing and how he's shooting. So but he's been able to really focus and say, okay, I got my I got my wingman, and guess what? I'm going to defer to him, and I'm going to let playoff T carry us, you know, throughout the rest of the season. And it's been working. Like, he's unlocked Paul George so much so that, like, Paul George is probably in the in the in the conversation for league MVP. Absolutely, I I see it the same way. Now, uh, before we run out of time, a couple other things I want to pivot to. Mm-hmm. Back to the Eastern Conference for a second. Yeah. A couple other teams made moves as well. You have Milwaukee acquiring Miritich and, and Toronto. Toronto acquiring Mark Gasol. Let's start with Toronto. Okay. Do you think the Mark Gasol move is enough for Toronto to finally get over that hump and take the next step, possibly getting out of the East? I like it. I like the move. I mean, Gasol has been doing – he made an immediate impact. And it's really kind of crazy (laughs) because Valanciunas, 
went to Memphis and he's been really doing some things that he never did in Toronto before. So I think it was a good, you know, opportunity for both players, both organizations. Um, does this get Toronto over the hump? Hmm. I mean, I, I'm not 100% certain. I mean, they're a great team. We'll see how they are in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, as a native of, of Philadelphia, I kind of think that it might be time for Lowry to go. And I know that might be a little blasphemous. But I agree with you, honestly. Yeah. If you didn't say I, it, I would have. Yeah, I think that they don't – I think they don't – reach their potential this season in the playoffs with Kyle Lowry. Okay. And and I think he's kind of ready to go too. I, I can see that. I can see I, that. I can see that. Time for a change. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, he's he's been there now how long? I mean, he's... Uh, he's been there for a minute. Yeah, and we're, we're talking five, six years. Longer than that. Yeah. So, yeah, I could see it's time for a change. I mean, once there was once a time when you thought Lowry and DeRozan was, that was their backcourt of the future. It was their backcourt yeah. of the future. Yeah. But they've now yeah. shipped off DeRozan. DeRozan's in San, you know, is, is in San Antonio. You got mm-hmm. Kawhi. So it's like, look, Kawhi's the dude. Why and, not? And, you if know? and if he stays, and see, that's why you can't move him now because they have an elephant in their locker room too. Mm-hmm. But if Kawhi stays, then okay, what does this look like? And and, La- and Lowry's been saying some things like, "Hey, like, don't forget this is a business." Because he's still a little salty from them moving his boy, the mm-hmm. Rosen. Um, if they can keep Kawhi, Lowry's gone. I believe. I feel that way. Um, I don't know what his numbers are, but like, if he's still under contract they can look to do some type of trade. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if he's not going to be – I haven't heard about him on the free agent market, so I know he's definitely guaranteed for at least next season. Um, you know, we'll see. And then for Milwaukee, the thing I like about Milwaukee is they have, they have a core group, and they have, you know, some really good continuity. They they basically play like a four around one with Antenna Kumpo. Mm-hmm. And it works. And and it works so much that like Chris Middleton's an all star. Like <laughs> and, and that was exactly where I was gonna go with this quote with Milwaukee. Chris yeah. Middleton is an all star. So <laughs> when you get to the playoffs, and I know what Giannis do, is doing is amazing, but is the supporting yeah. cast around him good enough to keep this up come playoff time? I think so, because they, like I said, they have a they have a core group who's been playing all season. Everyone knows their role. You know, they got rid of uh, Sean Maker, you know, but they, they didn't need him. They thought they were going to need him. They thought they were going to do this, like, position of basketball thing, but, mm-hmm. like, the four-round one works so much better, and... They're balling, man. Like, and the, the cool thing about Middleton is, like, he could walk down the street in anywhere except Wisconsin, and nobody would know who he is. <laughs> That's very true. He, 
he could leave for the suburb and live a le- regular life outside of Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so they have a they, – they, they, they're solid, man. You know, I like Brogdon. Like, they they do it right, you know, and they they remind you of that team, like, they're a team. You know, mm-hmm. like, of course, they have mm-hmm. their big-name player. And then, like like we said, Middleton's an all-star, but – they just have like a solid team. Everybody's like, "Hey, I know what I got to do, and we're winning and we're clicking." The- and you don't want to face a team like that in the playoffs. You would rather play Philadelphia or Toronto because you're like, "Okay, we can attack their weaknesses." Because there are weaknesses on on those teams, but mm-hmm. when you face a squad where everybody's just committed, and it's like, "Hey, we're just all going to fill our role." It's kind of like that that O one team um, with Iverson. They they essentially ran a four around one, which mm-hmm. is crazy. They did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it got them to the promised land. They just didn't, you know, get into the promised land. They got there. <laughs> yeah, they had two of the greatest players on in the generation waiting in the oh, wings when they got there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they ran into a brick wall. <laughs> but but speak, speaking of Philadelphia, we talked about the moves that they made. Mm-hmm. Came out, won a couple of games, but yeah, and, and and one of those moves is that Ben Simmons shot a three pointer. But go ahead, <laughs> it, it was beautiful. It, it was a pull up, man. Look, okay, that, that. okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I know, I know. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I can't. But, but however, though, you you look at you look at the team, you look at the the moves that they made, but they come out, they lose to Boston at home. Uh, They're now one and seven against Milwaukee, Toronto, and Boston. How worried should fans really be? I mean, we're all excited about these moves. Yeah, and there were there were a lot there were there were a lot of people who were ready to hand the East to to the Sixers. Yeah, but no, I I was watching every all the national media like try to outdo themselves <laughs> by giving Philadelphia the Eastern Conference championship, but you got to play the game, and you know Boston has continuity too. No matter what Marcus Morris says, like they they might be individuals and they might not be playing a great brand of team basketball, but that team did go to Eastern Conference Finals and. When it comes down to it, they will be able to play together. Um, and they're going to make some noise, you know? And and they have Philadelphia's number. I they have Philadelphia's know. number, and they're 8-2 and two in games that Terry Rozier start. Mm-hmm. 8-2. and two. Now, that's, that's funny. When, when I heard Kyrie was not playing the other night, that's when I got yeah. nervous. It's Because yeah. that, that's just the thing. We talk about narratives over everything, right? Mm-hmm. Narratives over everything. So... Ever since these, tra- ever since the trade deadline, there's been people bending over backwards to hand Philly the East. Yeah. You hear Kyrie's not playing. I got nervous when I heard that. Yeah, but just <laughs> it, but the, the but ball the, moves better in Boston when he's the, not playing. But the narrative being, you've made all these trades, and now Boston is without their air, uh, air quotes because I want yeah their best player. I'm, I'm looking directly at you, Mike. Mm-hmm. Their best player. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I I just enjoy triggering Mike. 
but <laughs> but you know, and just I mean, in in the conversations that Mike and I have had, we, you know, we know what Boston is, and we know what Boston is without Kyrie. We know what Boston is with with Kyrie. So when I'm like you, Mike, they say no Kyrie. I got nervous. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, Terry Rozier <laughs> scares me. Yeah, you know when because I sat here all last summer when they're saying Kyrie is coming back. I'm sitting here with my fingers crossed. Please, Boston trade t- Terry Rozier. You bring Kyrie <laughs> back. Trade Terry Rozier. You don't need him. You know, please. You know, get rid of him. But nonetheless, yeah. nonetheless, they lose to Boston. They're now one in seven against Milwaukee, Boston, and Toronto. Should fans be worried about that? Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, so, and this and this is back to my like, it takes at least a year for all in. Mm-hmm. So if you remember when Miami acquired, you know, LeBron and and Chris Brosh, they went to the finals mm-hmm. and they lost, uh, and they came back the next year and they won. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it, it's sort of the same thing and it's, it's kind of how like when you watched um, the Chicago Bulls go through their maturation process and they finally beat the Pistons and when they beat the Pistons then what happened? They went through the East and then they smacked up the Lakers 4-1. Like mm-hmm. they got their first championship so you know a lot of times you know I look at the NBA and I look at the history of the league you lose that first year and then you come back and win. You know, I remember when the Pistons lost in 88 and mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas got hurt and mm-hmm. still gave out work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. In 89, it was like, oh, this is, this is a joke. Like you guys, they swept them. Like mm-hmm. they swept, you know, them. And then the next year they beat the, the trailblazers. So mm-hmm. they swept the Lakers after the Lakers went. Undefeated in the Western Conference playoffs. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, that that was that was a big thing. It wasn't just sweeping the Lakers. It was the Lakers were at that point. The, the Lakers were eleven and zero because first round was still five games. Mm-hmm. Right. So they went eleven and zero through the Western Conference. through the West. The then got one. swept. They won game one. No, no, no. That's that that second like, against the Bulls. No, no. I'm talking about that oh, against the Pistons. The Pistons. The Pistons. Yeah. I'm talking about Pistons. That's team. right. You're right. So that that's what that that was what was crazy about that second Pistons championship, mm-hmm. you know, or oh, excuse yeah. me, on the first Pistons the, championship, the first, first, first one. Yeah, but that's how you learn how to win. Uh, you you have that trial by fire, mm-hmm. and then hopefully you can come back and and get another crack at it. And I feel like that's where Philadelphia is, but they need they they need to they need to address their shooting. That's where Philadelphia. Yes, they do need better defense at the at the guard position because of JJ Reddick, and JJ Reddick shoots well, but he needs a partner mm-hmm. because if you have a phenomenon like Embiid on the court, and you have another phenomenon on the court in Simmons, if you surround them with shooters, so you got Harris. You got Jimmy Butler and you have JJ Reddick, but like let's say you have like another lights out knockdown jump shooter. I don't know who that is. 
and it opened up it opened up the floor even more. Okay. You know, okay. To, to take it to the next level. So they they need to still adjust their shooting. All right. Before uh, before we uh, put the we move on from the Sixers. I have one one last Sixers question I wanted to ask you. I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you about Markel Fultz and the Fultz deal. Yeah. Now, now that he's gone, like one. Now that he's gone, this is technically an Orlando Magic question. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but now, now I don't feel like I, I've dominated the conversation with Sixers talk. Let's talk Orlando <laughs> Magic and their 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 newest guard, uh, Markel Fultz. What okay. did you, one? What did you think of that deal? And do you at this point do you feel like that whole was this a complete failure? I, well, I've, I'll say this. I've always been a Jonathan Simmons fan. Um, it, he paid his way to the to the Austin uh, Spurs G League team, and then he got called up by Pops, and then he played so well, Orlando signed him to a big deal. Um, he shoots well. He's a hard worker. So I like, I like that trading faults for – for Simmons, I, I like what they got. Um, as far as Fultz as the number one pick, it's a failure. Um, as far as Fultz and his potential to do something, to finally do something with a new team, um, not only does it remain to be seen, but I, I think it's it's possible. But it's 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 sad because you know, you know how fans love draft picks. Mm-hmm. You know, they they don't actually love like whatever that pick becomes. No, they romanticize they the idea of the yeah. pick. Right. Mm-hmm. They just love the idea of pick. Yeah. So when mm-hmm. you look at it, <laughs> they moved up to get folks. And, you know, and then you have the whole they could have had Tatum. They couldn't have because they were taking Tatum regardless. But just for the sake of argument, they could have had Tatum. Well and uh, technically since they traded up to one. They could have taken them one. Mm. They could have, but there's definitely that would have definitely been some backlash. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah, Because yeah. of course um, they, they assu- I'm sure they assured Boston they didn't want Tatum when they made that deal. Right. They got fleeced, and and getting fleeced, and swinging for the fences, and trying to win now. Um, you know, Brian Colangelo stuck out. He stuck out so much that. He no longer works for the organization. <laughs> <laughs> Struck himself right out of a job. Yeah, but it, it's just a bad situation because folks, as we have seen, he needs the ball in his hands to be effective. Mm-hmm. He, he's a point guard, yes. and he's not a shooting guard, and he's not a, a three. And one of the main reasons is because he dominates the basketball but he also doesn't shoot that well. and So he needs the ball in his hands also, to be successful. Yeah, yeah, and then he also kind of got, like, injured. I'll just say in quotation marks. <laughs> He's using the air quotes. I can feel him through the phone. I can feel the yes. air quotes through the phone. Yeah. All right, I have a, I, I, I wanted to, I'm glad you're here because I had a couple of theories that I wanted to float out to you, and I wanted to get mm-hmm. both of your opinions. Okay. Now, now you know we have to let Anthony oh, go at some point. I, 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 no, I'm just kidding. You get carried away. It's easy to exactly, talk ball. Exactly. <laughs> it is. It is. All right, let me. Let me uh, two quick. I, think, I think he's going to be fine with Isaiah Briscoe. Mm-hmm. I think that, and, and and this is what the enigma of Markel Foles does to a team. 
because he was on Philly and he was a number one pick and they had to move up and they had to they had to lose draft picks, you know, to acquire him, he had to play regardless if he fit, mm-hmm. regardless if he could shoot, regardless if him and Ben Simmons don't shouldn't be on the floor at the same time. Like you have to play him because you moved mountains to get him. Mm-hmm. And the same will kind of be true in Orlando, but Orlando is an A in win now mode, and B, um, they don't have the personnel. But he is a number one pick, and fans are going to be looking at that franchise like, well, hey, we got the number one pick from 2017, so what's up? Yeah, I think it definitely will lend itself for a first couple of seasons for Markel to fit into that role of best player on a really bad team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He'll have room to make mistakes. Have room to make mistakes, yeah. but he also has room to put up big numbers because somebody has to score. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's nobody else. Somebody, somebody in South Philly is going to tweak you guys and say, we had that guy on our team. Well, of, well, of course. Of course. You're gonna, <laughs> first first. First twenty plus game, mm-hmm. twenty plus point score uh, game he has. Oh, why couldn't he do that here? And you know what my response will be, Michael Carter Williams. <laughs> oh, I knew that was coming. That'll be my response. Oh, don't, don't, Somebody don't puts up knife. numbers on a bad team. Don't 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 twist that knife. I, I guess I, I just wondered why you know with uh, Brett Brown experimenting with the whole uh, putting Jimmy at the point mm-hmm. and moving Ben yeah. off the point. It was like, okay, I know we tried to jam Markell into the starting lineup at the beginning of the season, but we tried to jam him in the backcourt alongside Ben. If you're going to move Ben to the front court and have someone else bring the ball up and put the ball in his hands, why couldn't it have been Markell? Well, Markell, his days were, his days were numbered. Him mm. and his lawyer talked their way out of Philly mm. a long time ago, so... Um, at that point, it was just like, hey, we're not even going to play him. And uh, just so you know, NBA, he's healthy. He's played 31 games. I hope that was enough for you. <laughs> um, and, and quite honestly, New Orleans should, should sit uh, Anthony Davis because that's a – Another sinking ship. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's Absolutely. just a mess. That's, that's, that's just truly a mess. And that became a mess in two organizations, and they tried to make it three. Yeah. Like, the, like, like AD tried to make – the whole AD situation started in New Orleans. It infested it infected the Lakers, and then Magic Johnson then tried to turn around and throw that whole same mess on and bring the Sixers into it with the whole Ben Simmons tampering thing. Oh, which is which is smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, it was great. It. It was, that you was a, that, that was that was Magic throwing another no look pass. That was another no look yeah. pass from Magic. Yeah. Like, yeah, you by the it. way, by the way, yeah, that star point guard or the other or the other team that and, you like so much. Let's not forget, mm-hmm. we're talking about players represented by Rich Paul. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I wish that they would have just waited until after the finals and say, "Hey, you know what? He doesn't want to resign with the team. Let's go in a different direction." Mm-hmm. Be- and I get why they did it ten days before the trade deadline because it's like, "Hey, well, maybe we can get something done." But it backfired. 
Exactly. It backfired. And now, you know, they realize, like, we probably should have just not said anything. <laughs> All right. So we've been sitting here for the last half hour or so 40 minutes talking with talking basketball with anthony gilbert we gotta get him in the studio one of these days man we're definitely gonna have to do that we got to send send a car send an uber or something i I don't know we you know get a limousine or just or just throw a couple of mics in a bag and just go to his crib yeah man come through i'll i'll cook Oh, oh, oh see, that's see, all you had to say. Now I'm there. Done, done, done. Deal. We're going to take a real quick break, and then when we come back, we'll be at Anthony Gilbert's house. Eat it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, all jokes aside, Anthony, this has been fun. Before we get you out of here, please let the people know where they can find you so they can get more of this good information. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you, um, and and gentlemen, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Classy guys, as always. Um, you can find me on Twitter. At AX Gilbert, okay. I uh, you know I got a few things to say about the NBA and 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 college couple, and, couple and a little bit of football too. Mm-hmm. Anthony all Gilbert right. will not be he will not be pigeonholed. All right, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good time thing. for that. <laughs> well, that's I a got good thing. I can feel love as well. You know. Oh man, that's that's my one of my loves too. You know, I was yeah, a track man. runner in college, so yeah. Oh, that's what's up. Oh yeah, I, I, I was a track runner too. Believe it or not, uh, Morgan State Bears. No, I, 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 no, I was done by then. <laughs> All right, but Anthony, it's been great. We're going to let you go, and we're going to go to break. So, more offense, defense, and discourse with Mike and John coming right back after this. When you need to be caught up on all that's going on in the sports world, tune into the Best in the World Sports Report with all-knowing John Brown each and every Saturday morning starting at 8 a.m. here on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com. I'm Little Teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle and here is my spout. No, Dad, like this. When I get all steamed up, then I shout, tip me over and pull me out. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Roman Reigns. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. All right, everybody, we are back. Man, that that was a lot of fun. We always t- a, always a pleasure to have Anthony I on the show. I think I skipped past a break or two during that last segment, Probably. but it was worth it. Definitely, it was definitely, definitely, definitely worth it. Definitely. So. Since we've been talking ball all day, let's keep talking ball. <laughs> I got a wrong question for you, though. What's though. up? Did you watch the Duke game the other night? I I did. That was what? Uh, that was Tuesday. I believe it was Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. So here I half watched it mm-hmm. because I was pissed off at the Sixers losing the, uh, <laughs> to the Celtics. And, right. and so I, I, I'm pissed off. Mm-hmm. So I'm halfway watching it. And it was one of those things where it was like, all right, you know, usually during the games, I'll either have my laptop with me or my phone mm-hmm. so I can tweet <laughs> during the games. Yeah. 
usually after a loss, I can't just tweet over my phone. I need a full keyboard. So to get my thoughts across, I come over to my to my really? desk. To, to, and people are tweeting about about this Duke Louisville game. So I'm like, let me get up from my chair, go back over here to this television, mm-hmm. and watch this. And it was this. It's one of those things where it's like you notice something and you're not quite sure if anyone else has noticed. Mm-hmm. Like Louisville is for real. Impl- are, are you watching Louisville implode like this? Is this really happening? I can't be. It the was only- what, a 23 point lead? 23 point lead with, with what, 10, 10 minutes, minutes to, go? to go? That's disgraceful. And then you lose that game. Now, is that. Disgraceful. Now, do you call that. Louisville imploding, or do you call that Duke rising to the occasion? And I know you're a Duke hater. I'm a Duke hater, but it's a little bit of both. Okay. It's a little bit of both because one, because uh, you need both for something like that to happen. You know, you have to be good to be able to overcome a 23-point lead in 10 minutes. Now, I, now apparently the story I to, heard mm-hmm, was Coach K goes into the huddle around then and says, had to remind his players, I don't coach losers, I coach winners. He sometimes, but honestly, sometimes you need to hear that. Mm-hmm. And it's something where it's like, I think, say what you want about Coach K, but I, I, I think, although there is an air of confidence, there's always an air of confidence, and he coaches with confidence because he's earned that over the years. Sometimes it's like you need somebody to you need somebody to you you need you need somebody to uh sometimes you need to hear somebody get real with you Mm -hmm. and that's kind of you know the the give to offer some real talk that's what you and i feel that's what that was what was off like maybe coach k doesn't refer to people as losers Mm -hmm. very often you know, he like, hey, I'm guessing of those, especially the stud three freshmen, they've probably never been called losers in their life. Exactly. And they Coach don't have K to. is one and of the few people with the cachet and commands the type of respect mm-hmm. to like, look those like, type of players in the eye and say, yeah, am I coaching losers or mm-hmm. are you winners? Mm-hmm. And they have to take it seriously because Coach K is coach. Mm-hmm. He knows talent when They're, he sees it. Yeah, so it's like. Like maybe it's not the first time that they've been called losers, but it's the first time they've been called losers by somebody they can't then come back with. Mm-hmm. Like okay, maybe somebody calls them a loser and be like, hey, you know, do you know who I am? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Coach, Coach K, K calls you. It, Coach you K listen. calls you a loser. There, there is no come. You know, you're pl- you go. I mean, that that game was in Louisville, mm-hmm. but you play your home games in Cameron Indoor Stadium. What's the name of that court? Coach K. K's court. court. Who's their coach? Coach K. Exactly. Oh, it's his not, building. Yeah, it's, it's his building. It's his name on the court. When, when, you, when your coach's name, not, not the coach's father, not the previous coach. Not some coach not from some, 50 years yeah, ago. Not some coach from 50 years ago. The current coach. The, co- the current coach. His, his name is on the court. His name is on the court. When you look up, you look at the banners that he, that won. he won. Banners. Plural, you know, yeah, banners, ACC titles, ACC tournament titles, NCAA Final Four, Sweet Sixteens, Elite Eights, you know, and championships with an S, with an S, with an S. So when he calls you a loser, you you better 
here's the problem. And Olympic gold medal. Exactly. He's he knows losers. He's because he's watched them. Oh, he's been a lot of them. Yeah, yes, he made them losers. Mm-hmm. So he's watched them, and he knows losers because he sees people lose because he's watching from the winner's circle. This isn't, hey man, I'm calling you a loser because I'm right here along here. I'm right mm-hmm. alongside with you. It's like, hey, I know losing, so you guys look like losers. It's like, nah, dog, y'all losers. He's one of the and winningest not, coaches in men's basketball history in college. And, and there's some there's, there's a word you can put alongside that. One of the winningest coaches ever. 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 That's that's a four-letter word that's pretty powerful. If, if you're naming people with more men's not even men's, period, in college basketball, mm-hmm. it's a short list, men's or women's. Mm-hmm. Short list of people in Coach K's class. Mm-hmm. So when he calls you a loser, you better mm-hmm. listen. If he's talking, Coach K's ashamed of you? I, here's the thing. I I can sit here and hate on Duke all I want. You know, and, and once again, as I talk about sports hate, you know where I'm coming from with this. Mm-hmm. It's sports hate. And sports hate isn't devoid of respect. You know? It's, mm-hmm. So, yes, I can say I hate Duke. I hate Coach but K. But you still respect him? I still respect him because Coach K is one of the greatest coaches of all time. You recognize yeah. who he yeah, is. Yeah, that he, doesn't mean you have to like him. Yeah, don't, but you, you recognize who he is. Exactly. Oh, I get it. Exactly. Exactly. So, I would, you know, as much as I would say I, I'd hate him, if I was involved with him in somehow, I would not want to let him down. I might hate him later. Mm-hmm. You know, I might hate him the next day, but I'm going to hate him after this dub. Yeah, you go. <laughs> you know. Well, you know what, John? What's up? I'm going to say this. Okay. You're not a loser. I, oh, I know that. Like, all jokes aside, mm-hmm. I really appreciate all the work you do for this show. Hey, man, thank you, man. You I work hard. That. I appreciate your appreciation. And, and I, you know. The growth we've seen lately largely attributed to, to your work with us. Hey, man, thank you, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, it. I appreciate y'all. I appreciate, uh, you know, since we we, we, we we doling out the appreciation, you know, shout out to you, shout out to Lance J. You know, y'all, y'all whole team is, is dope. You know, I've always believed you can only be as good as your team. Uh-huh. Y'all make a good team. I'm glad y'all let me be a part of it. You know what I mean? I appreciate it. You know, it's like just what – Lance J Radio and Best in the World Sports have been able to do together. It's, it's, it's a good thing. And, and you, you're a good dude, man. Hey, man. You know, Valentine's was this week. I don't celebrate it, but I'm oh, still still wanted to shout out, show a little love. I appreciate the love, man. I, to hey, the look, people I work with, the people I, I interact with. Now, I'm all in so, on Valentine's Day. I, 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 and I, it's something like we talk about. Like, if you listen to my, my daily radio show. Mm-hmm. Because, and that's another thing I like. When you come, when you come through, I can talk sports. Like, when I'm on Philly Go Flow every day, you know, I'm talking music. And music is cool. That, that's, mm-hmm. that's a love. Sports is another love. But, you know, I, you can't really mix the two. Like, my music audience isn't the same as my sports audience. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? But, you know, I, so I, I, like coming in, you know, I, like, I like coming in talking sports with you. But nonetheless, like, 
I hear it all week, and I've been t- telling people all week. I'm not here for the Valentine's Day slander. <laughs> all right, like I know, I understand it don't mean the same thing for everybody. You know, you know, everybody and, and, and don't have love. And I kept the slander to a minimum, and I that. appreciate that. I, I appreciate that because that was, you know, there was going to be a whole lot of discourse <laughs> and offensiveness and defensiveness had you come in here with this with, with the Valentine's Day slander. But you know, he's like, I respect people who don't celebrate it. I respect people who don't like it. Mm-hmm. Just don't bring that to me as I'm out here cooking dinner for my wife, getting the candies, getting the... Uh, the oh, man. I, I, I'm all about love. I support the love. You support love? I just don't feel like some little baby in a diaper shooting arrows at people has well, anything to do with telling was, me when I got to take my, my my significant other out to eat or get her a gift. Well, look, I don't, know about, I, I don't know about no babies. Well, look, I, I didn't have enough babies of my own. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know about that. You know, they tell me I need to take my wife out all the time because they getting on my nerves. Exactly. It's like, yo, it's time to bounce. Exactly. It's, you know, but... but it, and with that being said, mm-hmm. I think it's time for us to bounce, too. All right. Let's get out of here, man. This was fun, man. Yeah, so let's do it again next week. We will. All right. All right. We'll be back next week. All right. Mike oh. Jones, John Brown, offense, defense. Discourse. There you go. The proceeding was a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports.